Welcome to Project Loop. This podcast may not be suitable for young audiences. This podcast may not be suitable for triggered audiences. In fact, viewer discretion should probably be advised. In this podcast, we're going to sit down and discuss stories of women who have faked their own pregnancies. We want this podcast to be a place where victims can come and know that they're not alone, that they can know that there's other people, such as myself, who have been the victim of a terrible lie, who have been the victim of a faked pregnancy. With that being said, let's get into today's episode. Welcome, everyone, to another episode of Project Loop. We are on episode number 22. If you're new to the podcast, we sit down here in this podcast and we discuss stories of women and even some men who fake their own pregnancies. And we sit down, we discuss those stories. And honestly, we know here in this podcast that this is not something normal to do to fake a pregnancy. Um, it's not something that we approve of here on this podcast. Uh, we do this podcast for the victims, for people that want to maybe learn more about fake pregnancies, to learn more about them, um, maybe know some of the signs. Maybe um, you're a victim yourself, and you've looked at this podcast as you know, maybe something to help you if you have experienced a fake pregnancy. You've been on the receiving end of a fake pregnancy. I know I have, and it's not something that I enjoy at all. Um, I wish I'd never had to live through it. Uh, unfortunately, um, it happened to me. It's happened to others. And in some of the cases that we've covered, we've had some that have had over probably 20 miscarriages or losses and they consider all those angel babies um and you know honestly if you really do truly lose a child a miscarriage you would consider that an angel baby but when you have people that are having over 20 losses um and dates are changing uh th- things get a little questionable and and especially in a really short period of time so uh we have cases like that we have cases where um women have killed other women and removed the unborn child from the woman, other woman's womb the pregnant woman's womb and taken that child to claim it as their own um we've had murder cases um we we've had numerous different stories and None of them have seen acceptable. None of them have I ever seen or said, you know, that was justifiable. That a woman or even a man could say, I faked a pregnancy. So that's kind of what we talk about here on this podcast. If you're new, welcome. I'm going to apologize ahead of time because I feel like myself, I feel like I'm slightly losing my voice. So if I sound a little different in this episode, 
than I do in some of my other episodes. I apologize for that. Um, but I still have to sit down and record a podcast for you guys. Because I try my best to, once a week, give you guys an episode. We drop new episodes every Monday at 6 a.m. And I've got about six hours to have this done and ready to be ready for you guys. So I usually don't um, lay them out this late. I don't record them this late normally. Um, I, I like to stay ahead of them, and hopefully I can get a little bit ahead um, in the next day or so. But I want to tell you guys, um, I've been I've been trying to bring this episode to you guys for a while. I've been wanting to share it with you guys for a while, and I've been saying I need to share this this episode. I need to share my story. Um, I, I've said that numerous times, and this week especially this weekend, for whatever reason. Um, I know the reason for the most part, but um, has just been a really shitty weekend. And, you know, we have that going through life. We'll have good days and bad days. And I feel like as time has went on, I have had more good days. I don't even know if I would say good days, maybe better days. Um. But, you know, you get some Facebook memories pop up in your feed. I don't know if you guys have Facebook. Most people do. You click on your Facebook memories and you look back at some old pictures, some old photos, and things remind you of shit that you don't want to see. Um, maybe it was somebody that you don't talk to anymore. Um, maybe it was a life event that just flat out sucked. So, um, but I had some photos pop up this weekend of our announcement photos of when my ex-wife had come to me and said, hey, we're pregnant, we're going to be expecting a child, and we had some photos taken, and those photos just popped up in my newsfeed. And unfortunately, those were there. They popped up. I seen them. And it's just put me in a really shitty mood all weekend. Um, now, I will say, before we get into this podcast, one, I want to apologize for the cats fighting again. This is, I'm recording this at pretty much midnight. And... Cats are very active at night, and so my cats are fighting in the other room, and they may come back and forth. You may hear some cats fighting, so I'm going to apologize. Um, but I also want to put a disclaimer on this, that as I usually do in my podcast, in my episodes, that I give you my raw and unedited thoughts and emotion. Um, in all of my episodes. And I'm going to do that in this as well. I'm going to say some things that may offend some people. 
Obviously, in this podcast, on this platform here at Project Luke, we welcome everyone here. Regardless of your race, of your religion, of your political views, etc., etc., whatever it may be, whatever you identify as, whatever you believe in, you're welcome at Project Luke. But I'm going to say some things that I think will upset some people. And I don't mean it to. I don't mean it to upset people. I don't mean it to offend people or in what they believe in. But this is the way that my story was written out to me. This is the story that I had to live through. This is... This is the... Nightmare come to life that was given to me by somebody who I thought I loved and trusted. And it was just cruel and heartless. And it's fucked with me ever since. So this episode may have a little more swearing in it than normal as it probably already has, and we're not even into the episode yet. This is the longest intro, like eight and a half minutes. Not counting the probably minute before this with the other intro and little music in the beginning, but I'm going to say some things that might hurt some people, and I don't mean it to, and that's what I want to give out to you, the listener. I don't want to upset you in any way. And hopefully the cats are not too distracting in this episode. But anyways, let's get into the episode. Because we're not going to get into it if I don't stop dragging it out. Um, And thank you to our listeners and supporters as well. I'll get into that a little later on. Um, so, with that being said, let's get into the episode. Before we get into the episode, or as I'm getting into the episode, I want to say I don't have an article that I'm reading from this week. I don't have um, something I'm reading off the internet. This is my story. This is what I lived through. Um, so, I'll give you a little bit of a background, I guess, is to how I met my ex-wife and kind of how my life was before I met her, when I met her, maybe when we got married, um, and maybe some stuff throughout the marriage through the, the pregnancy and after the pregnancy, fake pregnancy. So anyways, let's get into the story. Um, the story comes to you from the Buckeye State. Ohio State is where I'm located. It is um, where I've grown up. It's where I've lived my whole life. And I grew up in the state of Ohio, as I said earlier. And I was probably 18, 19, maybe, when I met her 
just graduated high school. We went to um, two different schools, but we met at church. So as a teenager at the age of 14, um, again, there is many different religions, different beliefs, whatever you may call it. Um, very active in church starting at the age of 14. Uh, I gave my life to Jesus Christ and said I was going to live my life for him at the age of 14. And I got very active in church, started going to church, started going to youth groups, started inviting friends out to church. Um, you do different youth events. And, you know, the youth pastor says, hey, you know, you bring the most visitors to our overnight thing. I'm going to give you a $100 gift card. I brought like 24 friends at night. Just random people said, hey, come out to this overnight thing. It's going to be sweet. Um. You know, early on in my time in church, probably by the time I'm 15 or 16, um, I'm feeling like I want to be a preacher one day of some kind. I don't know, but I'm like, man, maybe I should be like a youth pastor. And that was always like kind of my goal later on. Like I was like, okay, I want to be a youth pastor. I want to help teach other teens the ways of Jesus Christ. And I'm trying not to get too um, religious or anything on here for you guys. Again, not trying to offend anybody. This is just my story. Um, and so, you know, I kept going to um, church, going to youth group, going to church camp. Uh, one year, I actually won a preaching competition there. I got first place out of I don't know how many other teens that said they wanted to enter a preaching competition where other um, church leaders, youth pastors, different people judged this competition. And there was different things that you got score on. Um, I want to say like your attire was probably one of them. Um, your Just different things like, did you open up in prayer? Did you read your Bible? Did you read scripture out of the Bible? Um, how did you speak with your competition? It was just like, or with your preaching. So, different things like that. Um, so, I helped out with some camps, and then we also did a junior camp where it was like the younger kids, you know, like grade school, where they got to go to camp, and we'd go to this camp for like a week. And uh, it was a really cool camp. I mean, they had everything there. Um, the camp is called Camp Chautauqua. It's in uh, like Dayton, Ohio area. Actually, it's Miamisburg, Ohio. But it's in like the Cincinnati, Dayton area. And we'd go there for like a week, and they had like an Olympic-sized swimming pool sand volleyball courts, indoor and outdoor basketball courts, um, like five baseball diamonds. They had a at one time they had a bowling alley. I don't believe they have that anymore. Um but um putt putt golf, they had like an ice cream bar. Um 
all kinds of stuff there, honestly. I mean, it was like you was not going to get bored at this camp. Um, but so in my senior, just after I graduated of my senior year in high school in 2011, uh, I was asked to help, you know, chaperone at this junior camp, you know, be one of the counselors. And I was like, yeah, you know, I'll go. Well, there was another girl there about my age who was had also been attending the church, and I didn't really know her all that well because our youth group was a pretty decent size. So I didn't get to know everybody, but um, that week she was the like other person on the um, girl's side that was kind of like chaperoning uh counseling with the, the girls on the girls' side. Because you had the boys would sleep in one cabin and the girls would sleep in another cabin. And so she was kind of helping out with them. And throughout this week, we kind of got to know each other and hang out with each other and get to really know each other. And that was where kind of our relationship started, is where we got to know each other. And as... um some more months went on um let's see probably within the next two or three months uh we was dating after all of this so um we started dating in october of 2011 and we carried on this relationship for a while she moved in and lived with me there for a while because of her home life was not the greatest. Um, at least that's what she told me. And there were some things that I seen that was, you know, not exactly the best. You know, some stories that she had told me, I don't know if they were true to this day or not. They may have been, they may not have been. And I'll get into more of that later. But eventually, you know, I get an apartment, I have a roommate, and then eventually she moves in. So it's the three of us. And we do that for a while. And so we do that for about a year. The roommate, my roommate, moves out like probably a month before our lease is up. So it was me and her the last month of the lease. And then I purchased my first home and we moved to the other side of the town that we was living in. And it was me and her in this home. Um, while we were, you know, living together and doing all of this, um, we're trying to help out and serve in the church. We serve in different ministries. Uh, we would serve in uh, youth ministry. We'd serve in children's ministry. We did transportation ministry, helping out the um, bus drivers. This, the church had like this great big bus. It's a pretty large-sized church. Um, had a bus that it would drive around and pick kids up and drop them off. Um. And so we would help out with that, different things. 
different ministries that we would do. He was very glad to help out in the church and serve in the church. Now, word had gotten out by my roommate when we were still living in the apartment that she was staying there and pretty much living with us. Excuse me. And I got asked about it by one of the pastors there at the time. Um, he asked me, so, you know, are you and her still living together? I said, yeah. Or, yeah, she's staying here pretty much. She's like, okay, well, we're going to ask that um, she either moves out of your place um, so you guys aren't living together uh, while you're not married or you guys just stop helping out in ministry altogether. And for that being such a big part of my life at that time, that was a really difficult thing for me to handle. And it really bothered me that there was churches out there that they wanted to force that on the members of their church. Because there's nothing scripturally in the Bible that says you cannot live together before marriage. Obviously, the Bible does talk about, you know, uh, having sex before marriage. Like, that is a no-no. That's a sin. Um, but they were just flat out, look, you guys are living together. You can't do that. And I didn't agree with it. Still loved everyone there at the church. But that was where it was starting to get to me to a point where it was like, you know what? really bothers me that we can't serve in this church just because we're not married and we're living together and she's in a really crappy living situation so it's like she can go and live in this crappy situation so we can go and serve in church again or she can live somewhere where she doesn't have to live in a crappy situation or we're not going to get to do what we love uh, obviously I didn't kick her out I didn't feel like that was right Because I had my own morals. And I thought there was some things that were not right with that. And I didn't agree with. So we didn't. We went there for a little while longer. And it seemed like our times there got fewer and fewer. And eventually it was like, you know what? Maybe um, this is like God calling us to go somewhere else. Because this church is huge. There's a lot of people there. and this church isn't like short on volunteers. This isn't short on workers in the church. Um, we didn't get paid by the church. We wasn't on like staff. We didn't get salary or nothing. But this was us volunteering our time to help these guys out with their ministry. But we got to a point where it was like, you know what? This church is a pretty good size. It's a decent size. It's doing pretty well for itself. The church will still continue 
will still grow, will still serve God, even if we don't attend here. If we go somewhere else and serve, that maybe needs some help, needs some help in certain areas to grow, um, then maybe that's where we need to go, somewhere that does need us. So we went hunting for another church, and we hunted for a while. There was one church in particular we went to. Um, I remember we went, me and her, we sat down, and everybody was in like their own little circle, their own little clique. It wasn't a very big church, probably less than 30 people, if that. And we sat there the whole time. Everybody's in their own circle, their own group. The service starts. Everyone kind of takes their seats. Nobody acknowledged us the whole time we was there. Right as we was leaving the building, there was one guy there who I hadn't seen until we was getting ready to leave that I knew and I recognized him um, from another church. And he stopped and said, hi, and hey, how's it going? Glad you was here. But that was the only person, and the only reason he stopped, I believe, was because he knew me. Other than that, nobody in that church was friendly. Nobody was uh, accepting. Everybody was in their own group. If you go to a church like that, it's not a healthy church. We didn't go back. That's not the church to be in. So, there was another church that we went to for a while. I kind of liked it. was kind of enjoying it. and But she didn't like it. She didn't feel like she was fitting in very well. And we needed to go somewhere where we both liked. We both wanted to go. So, we left and went to another one. And after going to this one particular church for a while, <laughs> we found that we really liked it. And we went for a while, and we went to go join in membership with the church. And we couldn't join the membership because, you guessed it, we were living together and we wasn't married. But we still had it in our hearts that we wanted to serve, we wanted to help out in church. So maybe it was time to finally say, you know, let's settle this and let's tie the knot. So in October of 2015, we've been dating for about four years, a little over four years. No, just at four years. We've been dating. We decided to tie the knot and get married in October of 2015. And finally, when we're married, when we have that marriage certificate in our hands, and the pastor was the one who married us, you know, it was finally then that we was able to come forward and join the church, where we could start helping out and serving in the church. Um, 
but before we go any further with this, I want to talk. I want to stop and take a quick intermission. Uh, get something to drink and maybe help my voice just a little bit, and come back after the intermission and get back into the rest of the story. And I promise this whole story is not going to be all just about church. I'm just giving you some background in the story. So we're getting into the rest of the story. We're going to get into the fake pregnancy when we get back from the intermission. Hey, y'all. want to take a second and say thank you for taking the time to listen to Project Luke. It really does mean the world to me that you guys would take time out of your day to stop and listen to this podcast, to listen to the stories that we've shared on this podcast of the victims who've had to live these nightmares that have come to life, of the experiences that they've had to deal with with their fake pregnancies. And this isn't an easy podcast to do. It isn't easy to tell stories, uh, including my own story. But I do this to help honor the victims Some of the victims are no longer here with us. But there's people out there who are dealing with the trauma from a fake pregnancy. And there isn't anything out there for people who have been through a fake pregnancy. There isn't AA meetings. There isn't anger management. There isn't drug rehab. Whatever the the case may be, there's nothing for people like that. And that's why I wanted to create this platform. So thank you to our listeners for taking the time to listen to Project Luke and helping support Project Luke. You can do so by subscribing to this podcast. Hit the little notification bell, whatever platform you may be on. Maybe different on different platforms. But stay subscribed to our podcast. We drop new episodes every Monday at 6 a.m. And you can also find us on social media. We're on Project Luke on Facebook. And we're on Project Luke Podcast on TikTok. Now, with that being said, let's get back into the episode. All right. Coming back off of our intermission. Um... We just got married. Marriage certificate's in our hand. And now we've met the requirements of the church. Because we're married, there's nothing holding us back. We go forward to join the church. We join in membership. And... We're start we're able to start helping out with the ministries there so we get plugged into the youth ministry helping out there. Uh, love the teens that were in that group. The group was not nearly as big as what we were used to, but it was a growing experience for us to try and be there and help. At least I tried to take it on as that way. Um, however, at this time though, we was also in a spot 
like in a financial standpoint where it was like we've got to do something different because where we was living at and our expenses that were coming in were greater than what we was actually um what we was actually bringing home which was a foolish mistake on our part being young you know early 20s you're still young you're naive you can make a lot of stupid mistakes when you're young and i knew that the job that i had was just not going to cut it so I had to go and search for another job, and I finally come across the job, which is my place of employment today. Uh, got a good job opportunity there. However, um, getting this job opportunity, he was not guaranteed a full-time position right off the bat. He was guaranteed a part-time spot with... Not very many hours to start off with. And you have to work your way to a full-time spot. So I was working two jobs while trying to make it at the second job, which was going to be my primary, was going to be my main focus, until I got either a full-time spot or started getting enough hours where I didn't have to work at the other job because this job I made a lot more money and I could work at the other job two or three days a week and make more there than what I could working five or six days at the other job I was at and this job was not the job that I have now is not as stressful it's not as um, strenuous on your body um, it still is in a way but not nearly to the amount that it was at my other job i was killing myself at my other job for little pay and doing less work for more pay at the other job so with that being said um there was a lot of times where um i wasn't able to make it to church because I was working the weekends at both jobs. And the job that I have now was in a town about a half hour away. So you'd go to the other town, work a half hour away, and come home. And that would be more difficult during the busy season of the year. And also during winter. Um, because during the busy season, you work longer hours. During the winter time, um, the roads can get a little slick. Here in Ohio, we do get winter. Um, depending on where you're at in the states, not everywhere gets winter. And I know that our winter is not as bad as some other states. And But it's 
still doesn't mean that the roads are not dangerous. They don't get uh, snow covered. They don't get icy. Which would make your commute back home a little longer. But I found myself working a lot on Sundays. Very rarely ever making it to church. Um, maybe during the midweek service I could make it. But on Sundays it was impossible. I was gone many weeks. Many, many weeks. Not able to make it. And during all of this, while we're helping out in this youth group, unfortunately there is uh, a group of teens, they're all siblings, there's four of them, who are living in very, very bad conditions at home. And when we discovered this, you know, we... was able to talk one of the teens into filing a report with a sheriff's officer and uh, thankfully got the teens removed from home. Um, two of them actually lived with us for a short period of time, and the other two lived with uh, another uh, couple, another family in the church as well. I'm sorry, no, they didn't live with us. They stayed with us for a little bit. They eventually went to another family member's house. Very, very poor living conditions. Um, in my time in youth ministry, uh, and any ministry, I think that was the worst that I'd ever come across. And it's unfortunate that there's people out there who have custody of children, even teens, but just children in general, that are under the age of 18, that can't make decisions for themselves, can't do things for themselves, and people take advantage of them, and all different forms of abuse, and mental, physical, and sexual abuse, it is disgusting and I have no sympathy for people like that um, however there was one girl in that group of teens for whatever reason she would say that she feels uncomfortable with the youth pastor there at the time because he was very concerned with these teens and what they were going through. And he would tell them, all of them, you know, letting them know, I love you. And when he means I love you, it's not like, you know, I think everyone here can know that there's different types of love. Um, you're going to love your brother differently than you are a spouse or a significant other or a parent. There's different kinds of love. And when he told these teens that he loved them, it was not in a sexual way. Um, but for some reason, this one girl in particular thought that that was the case. And for whatever reason, my wife had told this girl that if He's making you uncomfortable. You need to block him. 
block the youth pastor of the church. Um, which, unfortunately, did not go over well uh, in the church. And there was, I think, at least two meetings. And I was there for two of them, I believe. I think there was at least two that I was there for. And in that second meeting, you know, things are starting to unravel. I'm not hardly at the church. So there's a lot of stuff that I'm missing out on, a lot of things that are happening that I have no idea what's even going on because I'm not even there. I'm off working. And all this is coming out. In the wash, you know, somebody always says it'll come out in the wash. And it was laundry day that day. And they're trying to get my wife to tell the truth. Because all the evidence is pointing back at her. And she feels victimized. She feels like she was the one that was done wrong. And she said, that's it. I'm done. I'm leaving. I'm not coming back. I'm not going back to that church. And I was completely flabbergasted. I had no idea what was going on. I'm like, great. Now we're back in the boat of... we got to find another church. I hated the church hunt before, trying to find another church. And so we ended up uh, going to another church. And at this church, it was not like I was searching for a position. Um but one kind of opened up at that time. I eventually got to the point where I was able to, I was getting enough hours at the better paying job that I was able to quit the job that sucked and just work the one job. So still kind of part-time, but there was some times where I was getting plenty of hours, plenty of full-time hours, even some overtime, and was doing pretty well. Um, but at this church, this was a even smaller church. I mean, we're talking small, small, small. 30 people or less in the whole congregation. Congregation again. Um, but they had some teens there. They had a, a group there. But this church had not seen a youth group there in well over a decade. And this wasn't a position that I was necessarily searching for but a position that more or less fell in my lap and was asked if I wanted to start and form a youth ministry there. Be the youth pastor at this church. I, you know, thought about it for a while. I said, you know, that would probably be a good idea. Let's, let's go ahead and start one up. And we did. And I believe that there was some success in that youth group. We had some good numbers there for a while, but I believe ultimately 
there were some things going on out of my control. My Again, my wife is there helping me throughout the whole thing as well. But some things that I didn't see, some things that I couldn't control, I couldn't stop from happening. And slowly but surely, our numbers started going down and down and down and down. And I believe that she played a part in that. That there were some things that people probably seen that was just not right. Or they didn't agree with. Or they caught on to her lies. Um, because, you know, you find out that she's got a lying problem at the last church. Um, but I wasn't fully, like, convinced of it then yet. I was just like, what is happening? What is going on? And as a husband, you want to defend your wife, you want to defend your spouse, and you want to be there for them because that is your partner. That's who you love the most. That's who you've given your life to. And you're going to be there for them for better or for worse is the way you take your vows. Now, um, but again, she was probably the downfall of that group there. We was there for a while. Uh, we still had some teens attending. Um, and while we was there, you know, doing our youth group thing, um, you know, we're still attending that church. This is the year 2019 at this time. So we've already been married for three or four years. We dated for four years before that. So you're talking roughly eight years. You've been with somebody. And you think you know someone pretty well after eight years. And she comes to me one day. And I don't exactly remember the exact way how she broke the news to me. How she told me. Um that she was pregnant. I remember she told me she was pregnant. She had given me an ultrasound photo at one point in time. And it was like the photos that you get uh like you go to like Walmart or something and and get them copied. Like you had like a roll of film and got them developed. It was kind of like that. Um, so she gave me one of those and she told me, and she didn't really give me a whole lot of time to really get control of the situation because I believe there was a part of me in the back of my mind that was like, is this true? Is this like really happening? Because as, as time went on a little further, you started catching on to more and more things that, you know, she does have a lying problem. My family would tell me that, you know, she has a lying problem. She likes to tell some fibs. And so I would, I think I would always just try to overlook it or sweep it under the rug. Again, she was my wife. And I wanted to be there for her. But I think there was a part of me that was like, 
man, I just really want to know for sure before we start telling everybody. Well, she didn't give me that chance because she started telling everybody. Uh, she told one of my coworkers. And that coworker obviously blabbed it to everyone at work. So, and again, nothing wrong with that coworker doing that. She was just more or less happy for us in that situation. Uh, she is a very good friend of mine, and I still consider her a very good friend to this day. Still work beside her every day. And throughout all of this, um, you know, this whole situation, I'm like, well, maybe if she is telling everybody, I mean, maybe she is pregnant. Who would lie? Who would fake their pregnancy? Who would lie about that? Who would tell everybody about that and cause this big scene? I mean, it's got to be true. So we went along with it. I went along with it. I fell for it. My same very good friend, my very good coworker who blabbed the news to the rest of my coworkers is also a photographer on the side. And she done the very photos that I was talking about earlier in this podcast where we done our pregnancy announcement photos. It was our mini me that was coming and um they were nice photos taken. She done a very good job with the photos. And we got a lot of, um, you know, congratulations. You know, you guys are going to be great parents. Da, 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 da. Um, and looking at those photos this past week, um, just really put me in a really shitty mood this weekend. But... You know, some time goes on. Normal things with pregnancy. She's taken the prenatal vitamins. And she would go to go to these doctor's appointments. You know, when you're pregnant, you have to go to the doctors every so often. You get ultrasounds. You get uh, heartbeats, everything um, while you're there. I don't know if she ever played heartbeat for me or a baby's heartbeat of any kind. Um, but she gave me the like one or two different sonograms. And her appointments always seemed to fall on the days I would work or I would get called into work because, again, I was still working part time hours, kind of like. Also, like on an on-call kind of schedule. And then I would finally get a day off to go to one of these appointments. And, oh, they emailed me. They had to change my appointment to this day when I was working. Um, so I never got to go to any doctor's appointment once. It was always so convenient that I never got to go to an appointment. Um, which... As we got further and further and further into the pregnancy, I started feeling shittier and shittier and shittier because of it. Um, 
we had a gender reveal party. Before the gender reveal party, uh, she would bug me all the time. What what kind what kind of baby do you want to have? Well, I would be happy if this baby is just you know happy and healthy baby, whether it's a boy or a girl, it doesn't matter to me either way. And I just want a happy, healthy baby. And she'd asked me this several times, and she would not quit asking this question. Until finally I gave her an answer. What do you want more, a boy or a girl? And finally I was just like, you know what, let's, let's go with a boy. I'd rather have a boy. That's fine. That way I can do boy stuff. I can do man stuff with this boy. You know, certain things you can do with a girl and certain things you can do with a boy. And I want to have a boy. And I, I guess what I mean, certain things you can do with a boy and certain things you can do with a girl, I mean, like, there's things that girls are interested in doing and there's things that boys are interested in doing. Boys and girls normally, generally, have different interests. Um, so comes time for the gender party. And I remember I hated that because she was like, oh, you're going to make pulled pork. And I was like, I really don't want to make pulled pork for that many people. And it's difficult to do when you make that much. And it's just, told her, I said, let's do something light refreshments. And pulled pork was not in my ideal mind of light refreshments. That is a more costly, um, costly thing to make. And the damn stuff didn't even turn out right. It didn't shred. It didn't fall apart. It was a disaster. It was a hot mess. Um, but We still had the party. We had decorations and everything set out. And we go to, you know, do our gender reveal. Reveal. We gave it to uh, a friend of ours. The results, or she gave the results to a friend of ours. I don't know to this day what was in the envelope that she handed her. It was like, uh, I believe, like an orange Manila envelope. I don't know what all was in there, what was in the results, what was on the paper that was in said envelope. And I never thought to ask for it or to look at it. I just kind of went along with everything. And for our gender reveal, we was inside. And we was in like a kind of like a party room area, but it wasn't like a restaurant. It was uh, almost like a retirement home, but they had like a party room you could rent out. And a good friend of mine that worked at the retirement home was able to rent it for us. And we had this gender reveal party. 
there was confetti put inside of a black balloon that you could not see inside of. And we was to hold this balloon and pop it and see what confetti came out. For our, to find out the gender of our baby. And we pop the balloon. And wouldn't you know it. It's a boy. The same gender that she bugged me about. Over and over and over again. What kind of baby do you want to have? And we're having a boy. I'm going to stop right here and take another intermission. Get another drink. And try to recover my voice a little more. And get back into the story. So we'll be right back after a quick intermission. All right. Coming back from our intermission. Uh, I left off last time. Had the gender reveal. Popped the balloon. We're having a boy. After she had bugged me. About would you rather have a boy or girl. Finally, I said, boy, and that was what we ended up having. I thought, you know, is this, like, why she's doing that? Or is it just a coincidence? Because, I mean, you're either going to have a boy or a girl. You only have one or the other that come out. You know, uh, obviously I know that there's people today that will identify as non-binary or something else other than boy or girl, but um, that was how we was looking at it, was it's either going to be a boy or a girl. Again, coming from the Christian background. Um, so... Um, as time went on, you know, her due date was supposed to be March 29th, um, which really bothers me why she picked this date, because March 29th was the day that my grandfather had passed away. Um, I love my grandfather very much. And I miss him. I wish I could sit down with him one more time. Uh, maybe share a meal. Or uh, just sit down in his living room. And listen to some more of his stories. Because he had some great stories. Um, whether it was about him doing some stupid things. Or stories about my dad growing up. He uh, he is one person I would love to sit down with one more time and have a meal with, uh, or just share a conversation with. Loved my grandpa very much, and she picked this date because that was the anniversary of his death. 
and I don't know why she picked that date, but it it's very disturbing looking back at it now. Um, so before the year is over, sometime in that time frame, we decided to, well, more or less her, she decided for us that we was going to step away from the whole youth ministry thing. We was going to leave the church and just help out at a friend's church where she was in charge of the youth ministry over there. And we was just kind of helping out teaching a class for the older te teens there. And, and my friend took over with the younger kids. So we did that for a while. So we've been to several different churches in, you know, our time together, which I wasn't really fond of, but that was her choice. I didn't really get much say so in it because she had done told everyone at the church we was uh had our youth ministry at that we was leaving before we even got to discuss anything about it. Um, but I think she wanted to get out of there because we had a lot of family that was there, a lot of my family that was there. And she knew that she was faking this pregnancy. And I don't think she wanted to be in any kind of a role there at the church. Um, knowing that she was lying in all of this. Um, so she, we got out of there, but we still had our, uh, baby shower there in January of 2019. So earlier I said 2019, it was actually 2018 when I was talking about the, um, gender reveal. It was 2018. The baby shower was in January of 2019. And we had a bunch of friends and family and people come out to this. And we got so much stuff. I mean, so much stuff. It was unreal, all the stuff that we got. Uh, we're talking like bassinets, um, swings, all kinds of stuff. My dad had kept the crib that... Um, he had for me and wanted me to use that crib for our son. And by this time, we had already picked out the name for our son, and his name was Luke. And that's where we get the name, or where I get the name for this podcast, Project Luke. Um, because even in the cover art, it says Project Luke. He was real to me. Man, those cats are killing each other. I'm sorry if you guys are hearing all that. Um, they're, they're having like WrestleMania in the living room. Um, but anyways, Project Luke, he was real to me because he was very much real to me through all of this. Um, we got all kinds of gifts, all kinds of things. Um, and it was all new to us because neither one of us had children. We'd never had children. Um. I had two of my sisters have children. Or I'm sorry. Three of my sisters have children, but I have one sister that's older. So her kids were like not, they're not that much younger than me. 
So, um, but my other two sisters, they were a little closer to my age. They have kids of their own. And we had watched um, my one sister's kids there a bit. Uh, her daughter, my niece, and love her to pieces. Love all my nieces and nephews to pieces. But um, we never had children of our own. So this is all new to us. Trying to prepare for this child coming into the world. And I'm like picking up as many hours as I can at work. I'm working like crazy trying to prepare for this child financially because she eventually got to the point where she was medically unable to work. At least that's what she said. And the doctor didn't want her working, wanted her to stay home and rest. So I was the only income coming in. Uh, for both of us in our household, with a child on the way, babies are not cheap. Diapers are not cheap. Babies will go through a lot of diapers, as well as I'm told. And so we got all kinds of stuff, baby diapers. I mean, we got everything. We had everything we really needed for the most part. Car seats, all kinds of stuff. And she had taken things out of boxes. She'd started putting together swings and bassinets and things like that. Making you think that this was all going to be, this was, this was all real. Putting together diaper bags to be ready. Had a bag ready to go to the hospital. She's putting all this stuff together. Man, this child's got to be real. One day, my dad calls me up out of the blue. This is like around the March 29th mark. Right before she's due. And he says, hey, son, I got to tell you. Um, I don't think you're going to take this well. But I want to let you know, I don't believe that she really is pregnant. I'm like, okay. I'm like, well, here's the thing. What I told him, I said, uh, and he'd given his reasons why. There's there's some sort of procedure, some sort of test, and I don't remember what it's called, but he'd asked her at one time if she'd ever had this test done. And it's something to do with the fluid in the uh, sac of the baby to test for something. Uh, I don't remember what it is now. But it's a very high-risk procedure in your... Um, usually hospitalized during this this test. And my dad knew that. 
And she didn't know what it was, but she, oh yeah, I had that done. That was no problem. That was what she told him. He's like, yeah, she's not pregnant. So he tells me this. And I'm like, look, Dad, I don't know what you want me to do. Pretty much was what I was thinking. I was like, I don't know what you want me to do. I can't go in there and just tell my wife, look, you're faking this shit. Because if she isn't, I'm going to look like a real piece of shit. And, you know, if you are wrong, I'm going to look like a piece of shit. Because you you were wrong. And not that my dad has ever steered me in the wrong way. Uh, I believe my dad loves me, and we have a pretty good relationship today. But um, I pretty much told my dad, I said, look, I've never known or heard of anyone being pregnant for 10 months. You know, that baby's got to come out. If it's going to come out, it's going to come out. So if she doesn't have the baby in 10 months or something, then something's not right. So the due date comes, you know, and she's supposed to be... Uh, Go get induced. So we wake up one morning and she's supposed to get induced and she says, um, Well, listen, um, can't get induced today. I was emailing the doctor earlier this morning, like while I'm asleep, she's emailing him. She says, I shut my finger in the car door and it's all like, pussy and whatever infected it didn't seem all that bad to me um even the doctors or nurses whoever looked at it at the hospital didn't think it was that bad because she said he's not going to deliver it if it's infected um he won't induce me with an infection so and this is in her finger. So he told me to go to the emergency room and get it checked out. So we went to the emergency room over her finger. They x-rayed it. She had to sign a waiver, you know, saying that she's pregnant. It's not safe. You get x-rays while you're pregnant. How could it be harmful to the child? They put a shield over her belly to protect said child. Took x-rays of her finger. We went home for about another week, where she's supposed to get induced again. So I get that day off of work again. I remember I got up that morning. I'd said something to her the night before about, you know, we need to pack a bag for the hospital. I'll do it in the morning. Okay. So I got up that morning. I got a shower. I got dressed. I got ready. And I just remember in the shower, I'm showering in that shower. And I'm just like, something is not right. Something's not right. It's not like I just have an uneasy feeling about that day. So I get out of the shower, I get dressed. Out of the living room, I'm putting my shoes on, getting literally ready to go. She's still in bed. 
and we have to be at the hospital uh, shortly. And, you know, we still have a bag to pack, and she has to get ready. And so I say something to her, and I'm like, uh, hey, you might want to get up. We're gonna have to, it's such and such time. We have to be there at this time. And she comes out of the bedroom, and she says, hey, I think you need to sit down. Okay, let's. So I sit down with her, and she says, um, "I lost the child." Like, okay, she, yeah, I lost the child. It was after the baby shower, so she's already like seven months pregnant then. seven, eight months pregnant, so almost full, I mean, almost full term. And I lost a child. Okay, well, we need to um, go to the hospital. We need to get this child removed from you because there's still a baby in there. And I know that this is like a procedure, like, you don't just go in and get out. There's like a whole ordeal with this. She says, well, I can't. His body, it just turned to mush. It's, there's no body there. And I don't know where she got that from. I'm like, what? And then it's just like, that uneasy feeling that I was feeling. I can't describe what I was feeling that day. But I was like, man, dad was right. My mom tried to warn me. She was right. My step-parents tried to warn me. They was right. You know? Well, my stepmom did. And I was like, you know what? I need to get out of here. She said, where are you going? I said, I just, I just need some time to process everything. So I leave. And I drove to work, you know, a half hour away. To work and I sat down with my boss and just explained to him you know look I know I've taken off work to be here and to be doing this but this is the shit that's going down he said look take the rest of the weekend off no big deal get yourself together got to my mom's and this time I wasn't really talking to my dad because I kind of got into it with him on the phone that day when he tried to warn me more to my mom's and she was waiting for news and I couldn't even look my mom in the eyes that day I was so upset 
I honestly can't put my emotions into one feeling that day. You could say upset, you could say angry, you could say disappointed, depressed, angry, pissed off. Um, I could name probably thousands of more emotions. Um, but I was feeling so much that day. I was so heartbroken. Because what was going to be the happiest day of my life, the proudest day of my life, welcoming my newest family member, my very first son, my own flesh and blood, my son Luke. I didn't get to do that that day. That day was April 5th, 2019. It was the day that she told me she'd lost a child, the day that my nightmare that I didn't even know existed came to life. I'll never forget those feelings. I'll never forget how I felt that day. No one should have to feel that way. Ever. I remember the very same day. You know, at this time, her... Both of her grandparents had passed away. She loved her grandparents. And as I was on my way home, she called me and she's like, all upset and hysterical and was just like, you know what? I just want to be with my grandparents. I think she knew she fucked up. She knew she was caught. Tried to play the suicide card on me. But I don't know if it was real or not. It could have been. She might have. She was at home. She was sitting in her car. She went somewhere and come back. And I had her on the phone. I'm like, trying to keep her on the phone. So she doesn't go in the house. I was worried she was going to go in the house. And get one of my guns and kill herself was what I was worried. I was worried about that. Obviously, didn't want that to happen. Regardless of all the shit that went on that earlier that day, I didn't want it to happen. So I got her to get in the car with me when I pulled up. And I drove her clear out to the hospital. She's like, where are we going? Where are we going? I'm like, we're going to the hospital. Why? I said, because this isn't normal. None of this is normal. You saying you want to be with your grandparents. You want to kill yourself. Commit suicide. 
This isn't safe. This isn't dangerous. She starts talking her way out of it. She's very good with her words. She's very decisive. Um, if that's the right word. But very um, conniving. Very, very quick-witted with her words. When we got to the parking lot of the hospital, she had talked me out of it. And she said, um, you know, all they're going to do is just lock me in a room, put me on some medication, whatever, da-da-da-da-da. Played it off like it was just like a waste of time. And I remember I looked at her and I told her, I said, I'm telling you, do not make me regret this decision if I take you back home. Do not make me regret it. You won't regret it. That's what she told me. I drove her home. And she's still alive and well today, as far as I know. But I regret that decision that day. That maybe she could have gotten help that day if I had just not listened to her for once. And got her the help that she needed. Um, it ate me up for a while, everything that happened, the fake pregnancy, trying to live with it. People are wanting to know, everyone that we knew, knew about this child, and they want to know, where is Luke, when is Luke coming? We want to see Luke, They're, people are messaging, reaching out. They want to see Luke. I was very distant for a long time from everybody. Um, I had to go back to work. A very good friend of mine, my coworker that I mentioned earlier, explained the situation in a certain way and said this is all anyone ever really needs to know. No one questioned me about it at work, thankfully. Um, I just thought something was going to happen. Somebody, the, I just didn't want to have to face other people and tell them that my wife faked a pregnancy, especially people you work and see with, see every day, people that you love. I love my coworkers. I get along with all of them. Tremendously. Um, but I didn't want to have to face them in that. But I had to go back to work. I had to start making money again because I wasn't making any money. I didn't get any leave time being a part-time employee. Um, so I had to go back to work. I had to make some money. 
had to get back in a routine, had to get back to my regular everyday life while trying to figure out what the fuck is going on. We're going to take another intermission real quick. We'll be right back. April 5th, 2019 is a day that haunts me. It's a day that truly disturbs me every day of the year or every calendar year that it comes. I hate April 5th for that reason. I always get in a bad mood around the end of March, beginning of April. Because of what I've went through. We went through a lot. Um, You know, it was a lot for me. You know, trying to go back to work. Even some of my customers, you know, knowing about this, asking. You know, did you have the baby? No, it didn't end up happening. Um, and it's... It is just difficult going through that. There really isn't words to describe it. know that sorry y'all there was a lot that we was going through at one point in time shortly after all this I actually kicked her out of the house for like nine or ten days And I told her, I said, look, faking a pregnancy is not normal. It's not something you just do to do. Something is not right. You have to know that. You have to understand that. And I didn't do it as like necessarily a form of a punishment, but just like, And I'm really pissed off and I don't want to be around you. And I told her, I said, I said, please do me a favor and prove me wrong. Prove me wrong that this pregnancy was not a sham, that it was real. And prove me wrong. I want to be wrong in this scenario. I want to know that you truly was pregnant. And if I find out that you truly was pregnant, that there was signs of pregnancy, 
I'll forgive you. We'll move on from this. And I'll let everyone know. Because at this point in time, you know, I think I'd reconnected with my dad shortly after all of this. And, you know, they was all telling me I needed to get away from her. Uh, I needed to leave her. And I was determined that she was going to prove me wrong. So I said, let's go and get you, go get your medical records. You know, let's go get your medical records and let's just prove to me somewhere in your records that you really was pregnant. So we went to the hospital and she's like, well, if I'm getting my medical records, I want all of them. Okay, that's fine. If you want all of them, get all of them. So we go to the hospital and she goes to fill out for her thing or whatever to get her medical records. They said, well, we only go back 25 years. Well, that's fine. So she goes and puts in for it, but it's not like they just go and grab your file and give it to you. It's, well, it's going to take us some time to get all that together and then we'll mail them to you. Like, okay. So we had some time to wait. Um, I told her she needed to get some counseling, needed to find a counselor. She had found a counselor. And we was going to start taking her to the counseling to get that straightened out. Um, I told her, though, when the medical records came, I said, look, when they come, they're going to come in the mail. I'm going to be at work when the mail's delivered. So you need to um, you need to not open the medical records. We're going to go somewhere public and sit down together and open them together and look at them together. And I thought I made myself clear. But when we get there, or we met at the park, and we sat down at one of the picnic tables at the park, she done opened the medical records, done been thrown. And I was really upset about that, because it was like we were supposed to do this together. But she done open it. She said, well, there's things in there I don't want you to see. Don't want her own husband to see. I don't know. Um, what she would have had to hide from me. But I know, honestly, now it was not necessarily to hide, but it was to forge a document. And she had... Tried to write something in pen on one of the papers. When everything's printed out on regular printer paper, um, 
Well, she said, well, the doctor needed to make a change to that form. I said, out of this form, this was the only form out of all of them that they had to make changes to? Like, no, I'm not buying that. So she tried to forge medical documents, um, which she did terribly at. Um, she went to we went to counseling. She had found a counselor and was going was going through a counselor she found, and she was the patient, not me. It wasn't like marriage counseling, but I went in there with her, and it almost turned into a marriage counseling. And I was like, look, she's faked this pregnancy, and it's not normal. Da, 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 da. After the first session, the doctor, counselor, whatever you call him, convinced me to let her back in the house. So I did. I let her in the house. But I said, we're not going to sleep in the same room. We're not doing that. At all. So, she slept on the couch. Even though we had another room with beds in it, she didn't want to sleep in that room. So she slept on the couch. Didn't like sleeping on the couch. Would complain about sleeping on the couch. Well, there's another room, bedroom in there. You can go sleep in there. She didn't want to do that. Whatever. Um, at the end of the second session, actually, we didn't even make it to the end of the second session. We was partway through the second session. And that counselor had done pissed me off when he told me that he thought I was the problem in everything that was going on. And he didn't care to think about what I had to say. Because I wasn't the patient. She was. And as long as the patient is coming in and getting the counseling, the patient is the one who is essentially paying his paycheck. I mean, if you're a doctor or a counselor, whatever, uh, your hospital or your office or whatever is not going to keep you if you're not getting patients, if you're not getting help coming in uh, or people to help. Something's not right if you can't keep patients, especially if you're a counselor. Um. So I believe that he was a counselor, and I think he was there to just, there necessarily to tickle her ears, to make her feel better about herself, but not actually there to help the problem, um, which was really, it really pissed me off. It really upset me. To the point where I had the worst opinion on counselors. And for the most part, 
I'd say some of that is still true to this day. Not every counselor is, I don't believe. I believe there's probably some people out there who genuinely are there to help people and not just there for a paycheck. But he was not one of those counselors. He wanted to get his paycheck. And his job was a little easier if there was one less person to deal with. And he pissed me off enough where I walked out of the room. Thankfully, I've never run into him in person, out in public. Because um, I don't even like thinking about him. I don't like to hear his name. I strongly have a strong dislike for this individual, this so-called counselor. Because I'm taking my spouse, the person that I love the most and care about the most in this whole world, and I say she needs help, and you spit in my face and you say, fuck you, you're not the patient, she is, get the fuck out of my room. Is essentially what he said. And I will never forgive that man. For putting himself in a role. In a position that he was in to help people. And he wasn't there to help people. But more or less to help his bank account. He can fuck off. Now. She was home. Nothing was better. I said, maybe we need to find another counselor. I said, maybe I need to find you a counselor. And I was looking for counselors. And the more I kept thinking about it and thinking about it and thinking about it, I said, we're going to run circles. And all of this. Because. She's going to do the same thing with the next counselor. She's going to tell the same lies. She's not going to help herself. She's not going to let me help herself. Because when you continue to lie in that situation. You can't get help. Until you decide you want to tell the truth. You can only help. They can only help with what you tell them. So we never went to another counselor. But for a long time. I stayed away from home. I'd get off of work. I'd go find an empty parking lot somewhere. Park the car. Turn the phone off. Get something to eat, go through a drive-thru, whatever. Get something to eat. Fall asleep in the car, whatever. Wake up. Go home when it was time to go to bed. To get up and go to work the next morning. That way there was very minimal conversation between the two of us. And I did that for a long time. 
few months, probably at least. And I was mainly just trying to figure out what the fuck was going on in my life. How can I fix the damage that is done here? What can I do to make everything better? I can't find a counselor for her because she's going to tell a lie. And I would try so hard every single day, even at work. I would try and try and try. How can I make this better? How can I wrap my mind around all of this, make it better? Where does the situation get better? Where Where is the antidote to the poison in in my life? The antidote to the damage that she's caused, the bandages to the, the wounds that she's caused. Not just to myself, but to our relationship. How can I fix it? How can I make it better? And I did this for months. Over a year. I done this. Well over a year. What can I do to make this better? How can I fix it? And no matter what I did, what I thought, thought of, I always kept coming back to the same thing. She's just going to lie. She's never, never going to tell the truth in any of this. And it was literally driving me insane. Because they say the definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over and expecting a different result. And that's literally what was happening to me. Because I couldn't figure out what to do, what else to do. Some days I felt like I was on autopilot. Um, during this time, I developed really bad anxiety. I never really dealt with anxiety before. But I would drive to work. I'd have my half hour drive to work. And I would drive to work. And I would just remember just feeling like the worst possible thing was going to happen. That I was going to get into an accident on my way to work. Or I was going to screw something terribly up at work and get in trouble or get fired. Or, or just, I mean, just ultimately feeling like the world was going to end. Like I was going to have a nervous breakdown that day. And I could not handle it. And it wasn't until I sat down with a friend who was kind of into like nutrition and stuff. And, you know, because I was trying to um, burn some steam off at one point. I'll get into that in a minute. But I said, man, uh, this is what's going on, and I, I can't keep my head clear. I feel like the whole world's going to end, and I just feel like something terrible is going to happen. Uh, some days I have good days, and some days I have terrible days. Sh real shitty days. And he uh, showed me something I could get pretty much over-the-counter through a nutrition company. And said, look, you need to try this, and it'll help with your mood. It wasn't really necessarily for anxiety, 
but it helped calm me down a lot. And um, I, I take this um, occasionally now. Um, very rarely. I couldn't tell you the last time I actually took it. I usually only take it if I know I'm going to be in a really stressful situation for that day. Um, but I usually don't have stressful days. So usually days are pretty well. But if my mood gets out of control or I know something is going to go down, uh, I usually plan ahead and take this. Uh, this is a uh, all-natural product, so it's not like I was putting harmful chemicals into my body over the counter or anything like that. But it's um, it's all natural ingredients, um, so there was no harm from this taking this this product. Um, also, before this, I was a uh, an avid video game player, and I still play occasionally to this day. Um, but during this time, after this fake pregnancy, I stopped playing altogether. I didn't play video games at all. I wouldn't touch a video game. Uh, because I didn't want to talk to my friends on there. I didn't want, I didn't want to confront people. I didn't want to talk to people about what was going on. People were going to ask, man, how's the baby? How's Luke? What's going on? Uh, I stayed out of public in general. Um, even stores and stuff. I tried to stay out of stores like Walmart because I knew, like, man, I might run into somebody I know in here, and then they're going to ask questions, and I don't want that. I don't want to answer questions. I don't want to talk about this. And I remember one day I had somebody that run into me, and they knew me, and they knew my wife. And um, this girl was... a little younger than us, but old enough to be an adult. And I worked with, used to work with her mother uh, at one of the jobs I used to work at. And she says, hey, uh, she's, Where, where's your wife? Where's, where's Luke? I want to see Luke. I said, you want to see Luke? She says, yeah. I said, well, I do too. She's, and I'm like trying to get away from her at the same time while I'm talking to her. She's like, what do you mean? I said, that's what I mean. I want to see him too. I haven't seen him. She's like, well, she told me that your parents had him and they was getting pictures done of him. Having his pictures taken, his newborn pictures taken. No, I haven't seen him. But if you see him, let me know, because I want to see him. So, I'm like, what the fuck? Like, she's out telling people that she's had this child. I had somebody send me a message one day. Says, hey, I think you need to see this. And she was messaging someone else. I don't know who the girl was. But she says, um, she's talking with this girl, this other girl on her, my wife is. And she says, yeah, I had Luke. I gave birth to him. He was 
something like it was i have, i have to look uh somewhere i've never got the picture of it somewhere but this is um yeah he was like eight pounds 12 ounces and like 21 inches long she's out here telling people about this and in that message she sends a photo of someone's baby and it was like an up close like face picture of someone's baby and says yeah this is this is luke and i remember in that moment seeing that that um trying somehow to convince myself even though I knew it wasn't real, that child in that photo was my son. But that was Luke. And that's the only photo I ever got to see of him. Even though he never existed, he was never conceived, he was never born. But seeing that photo and seeing her tell someone else that, yes, that's Luke. Like, damn. I wish I could hold my son. I wish I could hold my son and tell him how much I love him and care for him and how much I want to raise him. To be a, a good young man. And that's the only photo I've ever seen of him. I asked her about it. I'd come home and I'd say, hey, i got to ask you something. What's up? I'd say, does eight pounds, 12 ounces, and 21 inches long sound familiar to you? She's, no, why? I'm like, are you sure? Yeah, why would, I, why would that sound familiar to me? So maybe because you're telling people that you had the child, and that's how much he weighs. Oh, I never said that. And I'd have the message, and I'd show it. I said, look, you wasn't supposed to see that. Well, I did. You know, um, she says, well, how else am I supposed to tell people that I lost this child? It's hard for me to tell people that I lost a child because the child didn't exist. I remember she had one day on Facebook, she had shared stuff throughout the entire pregnancy on Facebook, baby stuff, would tag me and stuff, different toys, different things, stuff for babies. My dad commented on one of her posts and said, you know, it's a shame that Luke will never get to enjoy any of these things because of your cruel lies. Well, she didn't like that at all. She flipped out. What is this? What is this? What is this? 
What? And she's like all pissed off because she's getting caught out on her lies. Since she like deletes and blocks all my family. And there was one day where she's just like slowly deleting all the posts off of Facebook, off of Facebook, all the baby related stuff. I said, what are you doing there? Oh, nothing. I'm just on Facebook. Okay. I noticed there's a lot of stuff missing off your Facebook. Yeah, my Facebook's been deleting a lot of the stuff on its own. Oh, is that it? And she's just covering up her tracks. Didn't want people to know that she really did fake this pregnancy. We're going to take a quick break. Come back after the intermission. All right, coming back from intermission, um, she was deleting a lot of stuff off of Facebook, you know, covering her tracks. Like she was deleting nine months at least worth of uh, baby-related stuff, um, different things she'd shared. Um, she had all the stuff, all the all the baby stuff she'd put together diaper bag, everything put together. I'm like, look, you need to like return this stuff. Um because this isn't our stuff. This is someone this is other people's stuff. I think she returned part of it, but not all of it. I pretty much had to ask people, you know, not to do anything stupid. Don't turn her into the police. Don't um don't beat her up. I had to have uh, some people, you know, refrain from that because there's some people that literally wanted to beat the shit out of her. Um, looking back on all of it now, maybe I should have let her got some sense knocked into her. Maybe I should have let some charges get filed against her. Um, but there was still that that part of me that was like, you know, I want. To fix this, I want to make it all better. How can I make it all better? And again, I drove myself insane with it all. And, you know, um, through all of this, you know, after the fake pregnancy, we stopped going to church um, altogether. Uh, we stopped helping out at my one uh, co-worker's church with her ease ministry. We said, look, we got to take a break. All this stuff that's going on. It's too much for me to handle. Too much on my plate. I need to handle this first. She understood. No big deal. Um, but we stopped going to church. I went a few times without her. I would leave. Say I'm leaving. I got to go get from fresh air. Went a few times. And then somebody at one of the churches had reached out to her and said, Oh, I think I've seen seeing your husband at church and i had to blow it off and say no i wasn't at church i didn't go to church why would i go to church and after that i just stopped going um i did however uh, at one of the churches that we had attended to i reached out to one of the pastors there 
And I remember I, I told him, I said, I really need a meeting with you. I need to sit down and talk with somebody. Because um, I just need some guidance in my life. You know what to do. What's going on? And he told me, he said, uh, look, I know what you are going through. And I want to be there and help you. And he had battled some sickness and stuff there for a little bit and finally was able to get into me with a meeting. And he kept telling me, look, I know we're, we, we're going to meet. He said, but I got to get over the sickness. He says, I know what you're going through, though. He kept telling me that. I know what you're going through. I know what you're going through. And he was under the assumption that we had lost a child. And when I broke down and explained everything to him, I remember I sat in his office and I just told him what was going on. And told him about what my dad had said and, and, and everything. And I'm just like, Pastor, I said, all I want to do is hold my baby boy. That's all I want in this world. That's all I want in this life. Right now, at this moment, I want to hold my baby boy. And I remember I had my knees in my hands, just had my hands outreached kind of towards him. And I'm just like, I want to hold my baby boy. And I remember just putting my head down and just weeping and crying, sobbing, because that's all I wanted. I remember he passed me a, a box of tissues, and he said, hey, uh, I need to apologize to you. I don't know what you're going through. Because he thought, like I said, that we had lost this child because him and his wife had lost a child, and he knew what that was like. But he didn't know what I was going through. And he tried his best to give me some words of encouragement. Um, but as the weeks went on, afterwards, you know, I didn't go to stop going to church there for a while. Quite a while. Um, that was one of the last times I ever went to church. And stopped going and after some time I had just convinced myself of the worst and if you are a fellow Christian this may be where you may start to find this podcast a little offensive and I apologize I'm not trying to offend anyone as I said earlier um But I got a real bad taste in my mouth from all of this. Because I spent countless hours on my hands and knees and on my face 
not just in the church, but in the home, at work, different places, praying that God would deliver a healthy child to me. The countless hours that I prayed on my hands, knees, and my face, countless hours that I prayed for God to fix my marriage, to fix this relationship, to help my wife and to give her the help that she needed so we could restore what was broken. And it seemed like God was silent. He did not want to listen to my prayers. And as more and more time went on, I started to slowly convince myself that he did not care about me and my prayers. And the more I sat in it and the more I dwelled in it, the more that I convinced myself that that was true. Even though I had done a lot of things in church and seen a lot of great things done, I'd seen miracles of God done and performed. I'd experienced his blessings before. But I felt like when you finally get to the point where you're trying to do what he wants you to do and you're answering his calling and you're you know, serving in ministries and doing different things and building his kingdom up and you're putting all of your eggs in his basket and saying, God, I know you're going to bless me with what I want. That if I give you... A lemon, if I give you ten lemons, you're going to give me a glass of lemonade. And it will probably be the best tasting lemonade you ever had. But instead of getting a glass of lemonade, I got shit. I don't know how else to put it. I mean, it's, again, I'm not trying to be offensive if you're a fellow believer in here. But I felt like I got gypped. And again, the more I dwelled in it, the more that I thought something is just not right. He's not listening to me. He's not answering my prayers. He's not helping me when I ask for help. So maybe he just doesn't give two shits about me. And I remember one day, I think my wife had said something to me. Because I think she started to realize there was a difference in me. There was some change in me because I wasn't the same person. Um... And man, we just, we got into a fight one night and I just, it was, it was, it really pissed me off. And I'm just screaming at the top of my fucking lungs and I'm just like, you know what? I was like, this 
stupid shit as it's all that's going on. I said, you sit there and you ask for this and you ask for that. And you do all this stuff for him, but he ain't going to give you uh, a nickel. He ain't going to give you shit. You know, um, I remember I told her, I said, here's the thing. I said, when I get to heaven one day and I get up there, I said, that, I said, that damn motherfucker's going to answer to me. He's going to answer my questions. I mean, I was hot. I was heated. I was like, I said, when I see him, I'm going to slap the fucking taste out of his goddamn mouth. Because why on earth would a loving, all-knowing, and all-loving God put me through this, this stupid fucking shit? Why would he let me spend all that time, all those months of anticipation, of waiting and prayer, putting everything in that single basket all just to have the fucking bottom cut out? You give them eggs to make a cake and they're all scrambled all over the parking lot. said, that motherfucker's going to answer to me. I'm going to slap the taste out of his motherfucking mouth. I remember I told her that one day. I got to the point where I get on Facebook and... I get into these different Christian pages and I always found that it was the ones that like nobody was, nobody had like, there wasn't any mutual friends of mine that were in the page or in the group. And people would comment things on there like, oh, Jesus saves, God saves. Whatever the scripture may be that they used, there was tons of different scriptures. And I would just comment on there like, God only saves the one he truly cares about. He doesn't save everyone. And so he didn't save my son. So why would he save anyone else? When you ask him to save somebody, you fall before him in prayer, and then he fails to deliver. That's not really saving everybody, is it? Now we get in debates with people over this. And I remember there was one day, it must have come across the feed of pastor friend of mine uh, we kind of grew up together and he is a pastor now and he says hey uh, seen some stuff you wrote on Facebook I uh, really hate to see that what you're writing and what you think now 
would you mind having dinner sometime and just going out just just sitting and talking like sure no problem no problem no problem with that and i told him this in the dinner because he was asking like what was wrong you know what was going on i explained you know she'd faked the pregnancy um all this and that and I said, you know, I said, this would have been a hell of a lot easier had the child actually existed and didn't make it. Because at least then, biblically, I would have had some kind of closure. I would have known that that child, even though it didn't have a chance at life, if it existed and didn't have a chance at life and it passed away, that I had the promise of knowing that I would be reunited with that child when I got to heaven. But since the child didn't exist, the promise is not there. I will not ever be reunited with that child. Because Luke, he was real to me. He was very much real to me. And he goes on and, you know, mumbles some other stuff. The church he pastors at is about a an hour from where I live now. We went out to lunch that one time and it says, oh yeah, I usually go hiking. Um, or we go hiking some trails, you gotta come. I'll get you up with some dates and when we're going. Never heard from him again. Which is fine, whatever. Piss off. Um. I was going, doing a lot at the gym. I meant to, meant, to, meant, to, meant to mention this earlier. Doing a lot at the gym, trying to burn some stress off because I wasn't gaming. Uh, a lot of gamers, you might hear some gamers will game sometimes to escape reality um, and enter a different world and escape some of their troubles and problems and stresses of the world, which is what I used to do um, a lot. But because I wasn't gaming, I couldn't, I wasn't getting that release. So I started going to the gym, started channeling that into the gym. And went to the gym for a very long time. Um, up from, you know, through 2019 uh, into 2020. And it even got up to where I was running on the treadmill. I mean, I went to, from someone who's not an athlete at all, never been an athlete. Um, I think I played soccer for like three or four years in like early grade school, but middle school, high school, never played any sports, was never athletic, none of that. Um, so I was never really an athlete, but I got to the point where I was running, you know, five miles in an hour on a treadmill. 
Uh, I did a lot on the treadmill, a lot of cardio, until I had uh, a minor knee injury, which held me back and was not uh, able to continue running like I wanted to. Uh, but I'll get into more of that here in a minute. So, uh, never heard from my pastor friend again. Uh, stopped going to church for a very long time. And it was just like, you know, you had people that were like at the beginning were like, oh yeah, I'm here if you need me, this and that. Like people will say it. But when it comes time to actually back that shit up, you find out who your true friends are. Because um, there are people who will be there for you, and then there's people who will say they'll be there for you, and then they're not actually there for you. So, um, had a few friends that were there for me. One friend in particular, who he was there for me a lot, and listened to me a lot, and helped deal with a lot of things. And um, very grateful for that. I didn't, as I said earlier, I would go and park in different places and sit and wait for a long time. I remember because she wasn't working one time. She got mad because the house was running out of food, but I wasn't eating the food in the house. She was. And would say, um, there's there's no food in the house. I need food to eat. Well, there's food in here. Well, I can't have that food. Well, or I don't like that food. Like, well, sorry. I mean, it's food. There's food in here. Uh, she called the cops one night because I supposedly was starving her. And I had all the money. And one cop was acting all big, bad, and tough like he wanted to throw me in jail. And almost stuck my hands out and told him to handcuff me and take me with him. Because I just truly was miserable. But I knew that I had to go to work the next day. That my coworkers were counting on me. My boss was counting on me to be there. And I didn't want to do anything to lose a really great job that I have earned and worked hard for over the years. And so I didn't want to lose that. So I didn't do it. Um, so I had to go and buy her some food, even though she was capable of working because I remember she was off work because she was medically not cleared to go to work because of her high-risk pregnancy. Well, what the fuck was stopping her when she didn't have the damn kid to begin with? So why can't she go and fucking work now? But some cops are just dicks. And there's some calls that they know are BS calls. That was a BS call. And he laid out some fucking BS just to get out of the damn call. Because he had better things to do. Probably go sit at the fucking donut shop. Um, not all cops are bad. But um, 
that cop in particular that night, that one officer, was a real dickhead. And if I had thought about it, I would have got his name and badge number and probably filed a complaint against him. But it was late at night. I was trying to go to sleep. Had to work the next morning, and she wanted to drag that out that late at night. And I told the officer, I have to work in the morning. I'm trying to get some sleep. I ain't got time for this shit. Whatever. They didn't want to be they didn't want to be on the call as much as I didn't want to have to talk to them. Anyways, um so I had to go and buy her some food to keep her happy. Um There was one night she was just bitching and moaning because she couldn't get up and make herself some fucking goddamn ramen noodles. You know, the ramen noodles that are like less than a dollar at the store? What, 70, 90 cents? I don't even know what they go for now. Uh, it's been a minute since I bought some ramen noodles. But couldn't get up and make herself some fucking goddamn ramen noodles. And I'm in there trying to sleep. And she won't leave me the fuck alone. Because I'm trying to sleep. I'm hungry. Get up and make it yourself. I can't. I'm hungry. I'm hungry. I'm trying to sleep. So finally, I got to get up. Get up and make her fucking goddamn ramen noodles. Threw it in a bowl and gave it to her. When I handed it to her, I said, Now that you have these goddamn ramen noodles, I'm in there. I'm going to go in there and lay my fucking head down go to fucking sleep. If you wake me the fuck up, I'm going to be really fucking pissed off. Don't wake me the fuck up. But she got the message. She didn't wake me up. I was able to go to sleep. Um, but I had issues with that when I would go to sleep because where she wouldn't work, she would, um, you know, find other ways to spend my money. Several times I had to change my own bank card, my own debit card. Because she would get the bank card number, put it in her phone, go do the grocery pickup at Walmart or whatever and get what she wanted from Walmart. Go through um, a drive through Here in Ohio, they're not in every state. We have actual drive throughs Um... In not every town, but some towns have them where uh, you can go through an actual drive through You drive your car in there, and they've got different, like, drinks and snacks. Almost like uh, a drive through gas station, you could pretty much consider it, but without the gas. You know, uh, you go in there, buy your alcohol, buy your cigarettes, buy your drinks, your candy, your whatever um, that you would normally get at, like, a gas station. Um, but I would have charges like that come across my banking app for that stuff. And I'm like, I haven't been doing that. I'm not spending that on this. Like, where is my money going? And so I finally found out after like two or three times of like redoing my bank card. I'm like, holy fuck, she's getting in my wallet at night when I'm asleep. 
and getting my bank card and putting it in their damn phone and buying all this stuff. Um, I mean, just not wanting to work, not wanting to do anything for herself. And I've got more to tell. After another intermission, I don't know how many intermissions we're going to have because I'm telling this story and I'm getting it all out tonight. And I ain't got much time left to tell it because it's already like 2.30 in the morning and this thing releases at 6, so I got to get done with this podcast. So, but I've got more to tell after the break. Be right back. All right, coming back from intermission, uh, we left off last. I said that she was uh, getting in my wallet at night. I was going to sleep, getting my bank card, putting it in her phone. There's different mobile apps and everything you put your card into, create an account, and boom, uh, make whatever purchases you want. And not have to worry about it, especially if you're not the one working for the money. Um. So, yeah, there was, that was always an issue with her, was trying to keep money in the house. Uh, She was never good with money, would spend whatever she wanted on whatever she wanted, um, for whoever she wanted. Very terrible with money. Always struggled with keeping a job. She, um... Maybe had two jobs the whole time I was with her that um, were, I guess, where she kept them a little longer and didn't struggle with, you know, getting fired from the job. And both of those jobs were uh, food service and nothing against the food service industry. Uh, If you work in a food service industry, It was just, I was trying to, as we were together, trying to show her that, like, look, uh, we need you to get something that is a little more stable. Um, Obviously, there's always going to be people that are hungry for food service, um, restaurants and stuff, but the hours are not always guaranteed. Uh, At a restaurant, business slows down. They got too many people on staff working. Uh, they're going to send you home because you're right now. The company's losing money with you being there if they're not getting any orders coming in. So that's when um, I decided, you know, or tried to tell her that, like, look, this isn't the best job in the world. You know, you need to find something a little more stable. Um, maybe something with better hours or better pay or whatever, you know, something what you can make a career out of is what I'm trying to say. What can you make a career out of? And she would never understood what I was saying. She'd worked at just about every single restaurant uh, in that town. Maybe even some one or two department stores, I think, but never did fully grasp what I was saying there. Um, 
So terrible, terrible with a job, holding a job down, terrible with money. Um, this is all like 2019 still, for the most part, I believe. 2020 comes around. And, you know, very early into 2020, uh, that was a really bad year for everybody uh, worldwide because um, that's when the pandemic started. And I remember, like, watching the news every day. It was like the COVID stuff hit, like, in one part of the state, and it started working its way through the state and finally got to where we was at, you know, and then uh, it gets starts getting everywhere. And the governor of Ohio is, like, telling everybody, like, you know, um, nobody is supposed to be out after this hour. It was, like, 8 or 9 o'clock. Can't be out after this hour. you got to be home. All businesses have to close down that are not essential. And... um I don't know if every st what every state did for the whole COVID pandemic because they kind of left it up to the governors to do what they thought was best for the pandemic and everything. But um, that was kind of what Ohio did. Uh, shut everything down. Uh, public restaurants. You couldn't go and eat at a restaurant. Um, they may have been doing the drive through I think, there for a while. They stopped them all. Um, but it was like, nowhere to go. And it was like, stay home. We still didn't know a lot about COVID at that time, very early on. Um, we knew that it was a deadly virus, and it was killing people. Um, people were terrified of it. We didn't know what to expect. We had no no knowledge of it at that point in time. And so to stay home. Well, my home life sucks. You know who I got to live with? You, you know what I got to go through? So I had to stay at home with her. And that was miserable. I hated it. Hated it. I got depressed. The gyms closed down. I was going to the gym a lot. And couldn't do that. I was trying to get in shape better myself. And all that got pushed way back behind because um, COVID shut everything down. So in the midst of Everything that's going on in my life, here's a worldwide pandemic. But if you catch it, you could you could uh, die from it. It's killing people. I, I've known some people um, since this whole pandemic thing that have actually passed away from COVID. Um, so it's, it's really sad to know that um, it's taking some lives of some people that I know and a lot of other people. So anyways, um, really hard time, really difficult time was the pandemic. And I, I just got real depressed that whole year. I mean, 
I went like the whole, almost the whole year of 2020, just depressed and going insane. I couldn't stand it. Just being there with her all the time. I still had to work. I mean, I was considered an essential worker, so I wasn't out of work. I still did get to go to work, but it was just like at home. I was there. She was there. Um, can't go out. Can't go sit in the parking lot or whatever. I guess I could have, but it was just like I don't want people bothering me. I don't. I didn't want to take a chance of getting the virus itself. That was my thing. I didn't want to get the virus. And really stressful time was 2020. And it got to the point where, you know, she would never, she wouldn't even do things around the house anymore. Things were falling behind. My depression was at an all-time high. And it was probably about a week before Thanksgiving in 2020. And I'd been telling her, I'm like, look, things have got to change or I'm out of here. Things have got to change or I'm out of here. And it was like it was going in one ear and out the other. And so she had left to go to her nephew's birthday party. She would always go leave to go do things and help other people, help her family, help whatever, but would not help or do anything for us, ever. Um, so, one day I just packed my car up with a bunch of my things. Not everything, but a bunch of things. And... Waited till she got home, and I said, look, I said, uh, I'm out of here. What do you mean? I'm like, I'm out of here. I'm leaving. I've got some of my things. I've got my clothes, different things like that. And I can't do this anymore. And that day, like, as I was waiting there, my anxiety and everything was so bad, so terrible that day. Um, just my stress, anxiety, everything was so bad. I was like, oh, my God, I cannot handle this anymore. Because for a long time, I had struggled with the thought of... Still that whole God thing, because that was such a big part of my life, was, do I stay here with her and try to fix it because I did take vows to, for better or for worse? I made a promise with God, with her, when we married, got married. Do I continue that? And try to, you know, make this marriage work. In a sense, it was more or less, do I honor God and stay in this marriage because he wants me to and be unhappy the rest of my life? Or do I leave and disobey God and potentially have a chance at a better life? 
Because I knew in that very day, like the week before Thanksgiving, I knew that very day that one of two things was going to happen. I was going to leave and go to my dad's house and stay there for a while and get away from everything and recollect myself. Or I was going to put a bullet in my head and possibly hers because I was tired of living with everything I was living with, all of the pain, all the anxiety, everything that came, all the trauma, everything that came with that fake pregnancy because I still, even sometimes to this day, feel like I still haven't got closure over this because when you lose somebody that you love and care about a lot, like a child or a parent or whoever, it is customary, at least in the United States, I can't speak for all countries, that you have a funeral and you can have some closure at that funeral. You have a ceremony for that. But because Luke never existed, there was never a funeral for Luke. I've never got that closure. So, just everything going on, I just knew I had to get out of there. I didn't want people to remember me as the guy who couldn't handle it anymore and blew his brains out. I didn't want to be known for that. I didn't want to put that grief on my parents, on my family, my siblings. I just didn't want to. So I made the choice to get out of there. And probably about three or four months later, I talked to her one day and I just told her like, look, I think it's best that we break this off. And I think at first she wasn't like overly thrilled about it. But when I explained it to her, I broke it down to her. Um, because she was always like, like she never trusted me for whatever reason. I never did anything but work and come home. And, but she always thought like something bad was happening. Like I was going behind her back. And she would message me from fake accounts. And I don't know if she knew that, like, I knew that she was doing it from fake accounts, but I knew she was doing it from fake accounts. Like, there was one time in particular, we were both sitting on the couch. She was on the other end. We wasn't sitting, like, right beside each other, but she was on the other end of the couch. She was messaging me. I got a message come across my phone on like Facebook Messenger. 
And it was worded exactly how she would talk or how she would send a message. And she's like, oh, hey. And she's done it still to this day. I mean, um, gosh, I don't remember the last time I heard from her. Probably a year or two ago, maybe, she was still trying this on social media. Uh, trying to paint me in a bad picture, but... Anyways, she she would message me from a fake account, and she's like, "Oh, hey, I saw your picture on Facebook, and just thought you was cute, and wanted to know if you was married." And of course, my Facebook was still listed as married to her, um, but I responded back that um, that this wasn't Tinder, wasn't uh, like Match dot com or eHarmony, whatever they're dating sites are called can't i don't can't name all of them but um you know this isn't tender you know not interested but are you married again this is not tender you know this is what i responded back or something like that and like literally as soon as i press send on that message and it goes across. She looks at me and she says, why can't you tell her that you're married? I'm like, do what? She, why can't you tell her that you're married? I'm like, well, how do you know what I'm talking about? Because a friend of mine, this is a friend of mine that's messaging you and she's telling me everything that you're saying. I'm like, I literally just pressed send on it. And so, you know, she kind of threw that up. And I was like, you know what? I bet you this ain't even one of your friends. I said, I bet you this is just, and again, she slept on the couch and didn't work, didn't do anything. But I said, you know what? I bet you this is just some bum that's sleeping on someone's couch and doesn't work or do anything for a living doesn't have anything else better to do what's that supposed to mean well if it ain't you like you said it ain't i said then uh then you have nothing to worry about right well she didn't have nothing to say back to that she i think she knew at that point i knew um but she's like oh yeah that's not me that's, that's a friend of mine whatever like literally like as soon as i'm pressing send she knows like the response. I'm like, there's no way your friend messaged you that that quickly. No way. That was like half of a second. And I so, said, yeah, that's probably just some bum slips on somebody's couch. Um, but yeah, I'd moved out and I told her, I said, uh, what? For whatever reason, she didn't, she didn't ever trusted me. And I said, look, it's obvious that you don't trust me and I don't trust you. So why should we continue in this relationship? Let's break it off. Okay. So let's just do a disillusion. I said, uh, you know, the house was paid for. Because um, the house wasn't that much. I mean, compared to houses nowadays. His house that we was living in was our first home. 
just underneath of 900 square foot. So very, very small home. And I said, look, you can have the house. It's paid off. Whatever. I just want our pets. I love my pets. And, you know, the car that you have, you can have it. But you got to take over the payments on it. Okay. Well, in the disillusion, um, she said, uh, you know, the paperwork says, you know, she has like 90 days to get the car financed in her name. Otherwise, she forfeits the car. Well, she was not able to get the car financed because she, not to my knowledge, was working anywhere. If she was, she's probably lying about it. Um, she probably was, I think she was telling me she was working for like some home health care thing. I still don't believe it to this day. Um, but she actually was doing that. She may have started doing it, but I doubt she was still doing it. Um, so there was that. Um, she didn't get the car finance, wasn't able to. Her credit was shit. Uh, she'd ruined a lot of my credit too applying for stuff in my name, credit cards in my name, and run them up. I had to try and dispute a lot of it. And um, still, credit's not bad. It's considered good now, but it could be a lot better if it wasn't for all the shit she pulled. Um, I remember she found my checkbook that was in the house that I didn't grab on the way out. Didn't think anything of it um, as I was going through everything. And she was writing out checks to herself, to her friend, uh, I think to a business or two maybe. But forging my name and my signature on my checks and writing herself checks that so she could go cash them. And I'm like, what the hell? So I had to like change. I had them change all my banking information, everything, to just get out of anything she could possibly do. So if she finds more checks, then you know, let her write the bad checks because the account's gonna be closed. Whatever. Um, just a terrible person, a thief. A liar, a narcissist, pathological liar. And she was always the victim. She was always the one that was done wrong to. So, um, you know, I wasn't the one that faked the pregnancy, but I was the one in the wrong. I never got a clear answer why she faked the pregnancy. I think at one time she did finally admit that she did fake it. But I think just because I wouldn't let up on it one day. And I think she just came in like, yeah, okay, I faked it. Like, yeah, because I know. I'm not dumb. I wasn't born yesterday. And obviously you fooled me enough to trick me. Um... Man, I felt like the biggest idiot in the world. 
when I fell for it. Trying to explain it to everybody. People see me to this day still. I mean, this is nearly five years after this has happened. There's still a part of me that thinks I should have a five-year-old running around. I should have one that should be getting ready to start uh, kindergarten here in like a year's time. Is what I think. But in hindsight, I can look back on it and say, man, I'm glad I didn't have kids with that bitch. Um, but, you know, nearly five years since all this has happened. And I still get people that come up to me and ask me and say, They're not asking me, but they'll tell me, they'll say, man, that really sucks that happened to you. They still, still to this day, bring up what she did and the fake pregnancy. And I get that people are like, you know, sim, sim, uh, sim, have sympathy towards it. You know, that people feel bad that that happened. I get it. Don't get me wrong. I do. I get it. But at the same time, um, you know, five years later, it kind of pisses me off a little bit. It upsets me because I feel like that is my definition of life. That when people look at me and see me or hear my name, That's what they think of first. I used to go in and get a haircut all the time. There were several times the lady that cuts my hair. She's been cutting my hair since I was a kid. Good family friend. Would bring it up several times. And it was just something I never wanted to talk about. I had an uncle that lives out of state. He come up uh, up here earlier this summer for like a week, and I was sitting there talking with him one day, and he brings it up again. We're four or five years after, over four years after the incident, and people are still bringing it up to me. And I don't want to be defined as the guy who, yeah, she faked a pregnancy with him. I mean, I didn't have any part in the actual faking of the pregnancy. I was a victim of the faking of the pregnancy. But I like, I just, I, I don't want to be defined by that. I don't want to be defined by a fake pregnancy, by being the victim of a fake pregnancy. And I, I'm not trying to say there's anything wrong for being a victim. I mean, being we're shit happens. Unfortunately, this shit happens more than I'd like it to. 
And unfortunately, I got on the tail end of a shit show. Uh, the biggest shit show I've ever seen in my life. Um, nothing wrong with being a victim. I, I wish there was less victims. People didn't have to go through this. But they do. But I feel like that's how people define me when they see me. When they look at me, they say, man, there's the guy whose wife faked a pregnancy. And he fell for it. And man, I just feel bad for him. And I'm just tired of people feeling sorry for me. I'm tired of being defined. By a fake pregnancy that was out of my control. I wish I would have caught the signs earlier. I wish I would have known what I know now. Because I would have put a stop to that shit right at the beginning. But I don't feel that it's right that I need to be defined by someone else's lies. By someone else's evil. It's not right. And nearly five years later, it still happens. And I don't know how much longer it will happen. Hopefully it never happens again. I don't want people to come up to me and say, hey, look. There's a guy that his wife faked pregnancy. I don't want that. Define me from me. Get your definition from me. About me. Not what happened to me. Not what someone did to me. But define me for me. There is so much that I could say about all this story. Um, you know, she didn't finance the car. I think I said that earlier. When I got the car back, it was not in running condition. Uh, she did not take care of the car while she had it. She didn't do uh, an oil change on it. It was a 2012 Chevy Malibu. And they have those Ecotech motors in them. And those motors are very uh, finicky. They, you have to stay up on the oil changes on them and, I mean, keep a close eye on the maintenance and stuff part of them. She didn't do the oil change and it went out of time. And those motors and those Malibus, I don't know if it's, all Malibus or just that generation of Malibus, they went out of time all the time. I had one girl tell me she had a Malibu, uh, similar, I don't know if it was the same year, but it was the same generation. And hers had went out of time like three different times. So, uh, they're just known for doing that. And 
So after doing that, and I had a converter put on a catalytic converter put on it as well, new tires. Had to get it back on the road. I put like at least three grand into this car to get it back on the road and running again. Um, ended up driving it for a little bit, and I traded it off for a brand new car. You know, I got like two grand back out of it. So I was still like a thousand in the hole with it when I got rid of it. Um, not to mention all the money that she took from me that I never got back. The checks that she wrote that I never got the money back from it. Um, the credit that she of mine that she ruined that I never got back that I've had to build up on my own. There's a lot that I can say. There really is. Um, I could go on and on and on. Thankfully, uh, you know, my biggest fear was that she was going to not go along with the disillusion when we finally agreed to the divorce. Because in a disillusion is, is different from a divorce. A disillusion is a lot quicker and a hell of a lot cheaper. I paid for a lawyer to handle it because the paperwork for that was like a nightmare looking at it. Um, when I finally did get the paperwork for it. And um, I was like, oh my God, this looks terrifying. What's going on here? You don't need a lawyer for a disillusion, but um, I got one. She didn't hire one, obviously, because she didn't have no money. Um, but she didn't need one. And, you know, my lawyer tried to tell me, you know, uh, you know, this house that you have, you don't have to give this house up. It is your house. You bought it and it's in your name. You did it before uh, you, the two of you were married. So legally, she has no rights to this house. Um, she had trashed the house. So I didn't see the point in uh, keeping the house. The side of town that it was on was not the best side of town. And houses on that side of that town don't go for very much more than what I actually paid for the house. So I looked at it as like, let's cut my losses now. Um, versus trying to put all the work into the house, moving back into the house on the bad side of town. And... Um, trying to fix it up to sell it and clean it all up and everything. Why should I do all that when I can cut my losses now and move on and get a house that is closer in the town that I actually do work in uh, instead of driving a half hour uh, one way, I drive under 10 minutes to work now, which is a huge blessing. Um, not everyone gets that luxury. But uh, I did. So uh, I have a house now um, in a lot nicer area. Uh, it's quiet for the most part, other than the cars going up and down the road. And you guys hear from time to time on the microphone. Um, 
But to be close to work is nice. Uh, I do enjoy that. But I said, well, you know what? I'm going to cut my losses now. So I did that. I left her the house. Didn't ask for anything in return. Left her the house. Told her she'd have the car if she financed it. But she didn't finance it. There was a thousand in the hole with that after I sold it. And... Trying to think if there was anything else. Oh, um, there were some things in the house that I couldn't get out um, until I got into my own place. Finally got into my own place and tried to get a hold of her to get some things. Um, there was like some sentimental things in there that I wanted to get. Um, one of those was the crib that my dad had given me. Uh, for Luke, it was my crib when I was younger, when I was a baby that my dad and mom used for me then. Uh, I wanted to get that crib out, and I think I got part of it, but there was more to it, and I don't know what she did with the rest of it. She had moved it. She didn't have it all together, so I couldn't find the crib. Um, there was some larger furniture pieces that were my grandfather's that I mentioned earlier had passed away, um, that I wanted to get out of the house and she would not, uh, let me into the house to get them. She would not give them to me. Uh, she, there was one day in particular, she told me she was going to give them to me if I met her in town later that day, once I got off of work and I did. And I waited for like two, three, maybe four hours, something like that. It was a long time um, waiting for her. And she kept saying, oh, I, I just have doctor's one earlier. I got to get blood work done. Well, blood work didn't take that long. And then they was wanting to do tests, and they was wanting to do this and do that. She was in the hospital all day, and then she had to pick up her medication, and then the insurance wouldn't approve it, and she's still trying to get her medication, and she would not come down the road five minutes, seven minutes, whatever, from wherever she was at to let me in the house so I could get my stuff and get out. And she made me wait there, making me think that I was going to get everything. And she wouldn't even meet me. I heard that once she got the house, she turned around and sold the house for like a fraction of what I paid for it, is what I heard. I don't know if that's true or not. She did a quick deed claim. Uh, so I can't look that up online. It doesn't give the price on the auditor site for what she actually sold it for. But um, so there's some things that not just from my childhood, but uh, for from my family, but um, some sentimental things that I never got back.
sentimental things that offered her absolutely zero value. Absolutely zero value to her. Some were not even, some items were not even like resellable. Like you're not going to get anything out of selling it. But as long as I didn't get it, I think that was all that she wanted. And of course, when we put in our disillusion that we would just, you know, work out all of our possessions between the two of us. That was how we had it worked in. Thinking it, it wouldn't be an issue, but ended up being an issue. So... That was uh, my mistake there. Anyways, um, one of them, one of the items was like my high school diploma. But I just want my diploma. I turned that house upside down looking for that diploma. I don't know what she did with it. I mean, what are you going to do with my diploma? You can't sell it. You can't use it because it's not yours. But it's whatever. I don't think I'll ever need it again, but you never know. Uh, I always just go get a copy of it, I guess. But um, she wanted that diploma, I guess. There's a lot that I could go on and say about all the terrible things that happened. Um, we separated in August of 2021 and August 20th, 2021, I should say. And that has been my Independence Day. That has been my day of freedom to get away from that awful person who made my life a living hell. It's been a lot better. Even when I just moved in with my dad, it's been a lot better. Um, but now I'm on my own, got my own house, closer to work. It's all cool. Um, don't have as many bad days, but I still have them occasionally. This weekend sucked. Um, I forgot to mention that before we even started filling out her disillusion paperwork, that she was already dating another guy. She was always worried about me cheating. And I never cheated on her, not once. But she was with someone else before the disillusion paperwork was even started to be filled out. So, yeah. That sucked, but at the same time, I was like, you know what? It'll get her out of my hair, and she's someone else's problem. So, he supposedly has, like, at least three or four kids. And she's trying to play stepmom with them. I feel sorry for the kids more than anybody. Because um, they got to deal with her, too. 
Anybody that's got to deal with her, I feel sorry for him. She's a handful. So now life is better. Um, I have my full-time career. I live a lot closer. So I'm not wasting an hour of my day every day driving back and forth to work. Because uh, I had a half hour to work and a half hour home. Now I've got under 10 minutes. Um, one way so cut that down drive time over half which is nice uh, especially when the weather is bad it's nice but it's a nice area nice uh nice community of people out here and though i haven't met anyone yet um you know, I've went on a couple of dates. Nothing has uh, come out of it yet, which is fine, I guess. Hopefully one day I will meet, hopefully the right one, and be able to settle down and have children of my own. Because that's still a goal of mine. Um, I don't believe I'm going to name the next child Luke. If I have a boy, um, but I don't know. We'll see what happens if that ever happens. Hopefully it does. Um, as far as um, my faith goes, you know, this, this whole experience has really destroyed my faith in Christianity. I have tried since all of this and, and moving out here. I was going to one church there for a few months, trying to get back into Christianity, trying to talk with um, people in church. There was one pastor who I explained the situation to a little bit and said, you know, I think it would help if I just could sit down and talk with somebody about what's going on. Um, put his hands up and says, oh, that's not me. Okay. You're not the pastor to talk to then. Evidently, this isn't the church for me to be at because it's one of the things a pastor should be is a counselor, uh, in a sense. Um, not like in a medical form, but, you know, more of like an emotional, spiritual counselor. Um, I think there should be some sort of counseling in that role. And when you refuse to counsel to people that are hurting in your congregation, um, it's just there's it's just not the church to be in. Um, and there was another sign too, but it's not important to this podcast. Um, I've been to some other churches as well. Tried them out. Um, nobody in the Christian church wants to talk to me about this, about what I've went through and about what I've been feeling, what I've been dealing with since this day and how can I restore my faith from this, uh, this incident. No one wants to talk to me. 
the last uh, couple of pastors that I've asked are in business meetings on the one day that I can go in and talk to them. That's not a Sunday. They're in business meetings all day long. All day long. And can't stop and talk. So, it is what it is. I haven't been to church. I don't know how many months now. So, I don't know. God will... come after me he will be the good shepherd if he he says he's a good shepherd he'll come after me he'll leave the 99 and come after me he'll come find me cuz i've been i've tried to find him again and i've tried to find that same feeling that same uh spiritual awareness the um, spiritual emotion everything that i've felt before all of this Trying to find all that again, and I haven't found it yet. So, if he wants me back, he'll find me. If not, then he won't find me. Uh, hopefully, maybe one day that happens, it might not. I don't know. But, as a kind of a recap... Of this story. I know it's been a long podcast. I think we've went over three hours. And I think this is our longest episode ever. Um, and I, I don't necessarily like being in the spotlight. I don't like um, having everybody looking at me. Or uh, any anything like that. I'm more of an introvert than I am an extrovert. But... Uh, Kind of recapping the story. You know, we've got um, we got a woman who faked a pregnancy. Lied about the birth and the death of this child in two different ways. She lied to me about the death of losing a child and lied to others about the birth of a child. And she told more than one person that the child was alive and well and getting pictures taken. Um, who stole items, gifts from friends and family to cover her lie put gifts together, open gifts up and put them together that were not hers to be putting together. Who stole hundreds and hundreds of dollars out of my uh, bank account. Uh, probably more like thousands if you count all the years we were together. And she just took advantage of it. Um, 
the special when you count the car that she trashed and she didn't take care of it. Lies, the everything that she did. She's not a nice person. And I know in this podcast, I've not once, in this episode, I've not once mentioned her name. And the reason for doing that is because, one, I don't want to draw attention to her for my own well-being. Because she'll start stirring the pot again if she finds out about this podcast, this episode. Because normally I call people out on this shit. And I've really went back and forth on should I tell you her name and put her name out there so you know who she is. She still lives in the same town where me and her were together. She's still with the same guy, as far as I know. And she's built her own reputation for herself in that town. And I believe the majority of people know her reputation. Now, there's still some that believed her and think she's telling the God's honest truth, and I feel sorry for them people. Because they fell victim to the lies. But... You have one person that most people know, like, don't understand why she would fake a pregnancy, but why would someone lie about someone faking a pregnancy? Like, why would I be lying about her faking a pregnancy if she lost a child? This doesn't make sense. There's no reason for it. So, um... Hurt a lot of people. Myself, my family. It devastated my parents. Uh, I was probably hurt the most out of everyone. Because I had to live with it. For nearly two years, I put up with it. I mean, actually, it was after, it was over two years. But towards the end of the, or beginning, or after the two-year mark, it was... I mean, I wasn't living with her, but I was still dealing with her. So, a lot of people hurt. A lot of people affected. People that spent their hard-earned dollars on gifts. Some of them got them back. Some didn't. Should she have went to prison? Uh, Yeah, she probably should have for felony. But there was that part of me that thought, man, I could fix this. I could make it better. And I couldn't. Can't always fix everything. No matter how hard you try. Can't help everyone, no matter how hard you try. They have to be willing to help themselves.
before you can help them. So, with that being said, I think I'm going to conclude this episode as it's went on long enough. I'm getting tired. It's like 3.30 now. But, anyways, um, thank you all for listening to my story. The story behind Project Luke. Um, without this story, this podcast wouldn't exist because I would have never had the motivation to start this podcast um, without the story. But, um, honestly, I would still just the story of rather never happen. I wish so many times I could hop in a DeLorean from Back to the Future movies and go back in time and stop myself from making the biggest mistake of my life. And that's saying hello to that girl. Um, but unfortunately, we don't have that power. We don't have DeLoreans to go and do that. Uh, can't go back in time. We don't have the, the remote from the movie Click with Adam Sandler in it to just rewind or, or change time or whatever. Fast forward, rewind, pause. Don't have any of that. So, um, I would much rather have not went through all that and not have the podcast. But I have the podcast now because I went through it. And I want to help other people who have been through what I've been through. Who have been a victim of a fake pregnancy. Because it's not fun. It sucks. Um, worst nightmare of my life. And hopefully it, nothing ever happens of that magnitude ever again in my life. Um, so thank you. If you have listened to this whole entire podcast at like three, three and a half hours long or however long it's been, thank you for listening. And uh, th I mean, listening to my story and what I have to say. But thank you for supporting Project Luke. Um, means the world to me that you guys listen to this podcast, listen to in eight different countries. Blows my mind um, that we're listened to all over the world. Never in my dreams thought it would reach this far, but uh, I still want it to go a lot further than this. Um, so follow us on our social media, Project Luke on Facebook. Project Luke podcast on TikTok, and I feel like I'm forgetting something else that I normally say, but I don't remember. It's late, so I'm going to go to bed, and you guys will be listening to this in the morning. It's going to drop here in just a couple hours, so thank you all, and we'll catch you all on the next one.